This is Just Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Colby Olson, joined here by my co-host, Clay Snowden, as always. Today, we're going to be breaking down the third base sleepers for fantasy baseball in 2023. Last episode, we went through the top 10, I guess top 11, because we touched on Cabrian Hayes and, and had kind of a heated debate uh, at the at the end of last episode. And, and you know, Clay, I, I would do my usual, like, how's it going? But I almost just want to jump right in here because... Let's jump right in. Because I cannot believe that people are taking Cabrian Hayes, and I know the steals. You can you can all, you can can all just go back to the stolen base numbers because it is nice. 20 stolen bases last year was awesome, and it's nice to have on your team. I just, my point was that I didn't like what came along with it. A low average, low run production, low power production, it's just too much to give up for those steals. Like I can find those steals elsewhere, but I did want to bring up a guy that's being taken right around where Brian Hayes is being taken, right? ADP 175 ish. And it's a guy and I'm going to give you his name in a second that I think you should absolutely be taking over Brian Hayes by a mile, by a long shot. And it's another hyped guy that, you know, was in kind of the same class, Alec Bone. Alec Bone needs to be the guy that you're targeting late in the late, you know, I think Alec Bone could be your starting third baseman. Like you said that for Cabrian could be potentially your backup. Like I legitimately think that Alec Bone could be serviceable as your starting third baseman in fantasy this year. And I'm not saying he's a superstar, but he's pretty damn good. Last year, he had 280 with 13 home runs, 79 runs, and 72 RBIs. He sprinkled in two stolen bases, but that's really not important. But Alec Bohm was a guy that, you know, coming into 2021, after a really strong debut in 2020, everybody was super high on, you know, he had 338 back in 2020, and, and there was so much to dream on. As a former top prospect, he completely flopped in 2021. 247 average, a 75 WRC plus, and he struck out a whopping 26% of the time. Now, that came with a 49% hard hit rate when he did make contact with the ball. But a lot of that contact was also on the ground. What Alec Bohm did in 2020, or in 2022, that is, sorry, last season, is he made adjustments um, that didn't necessarily translate on the field yet, I think. Right, a 98 WRC plus last year seems below what Alec Bohm should be putting up, but the adjustments he made, I think, are going to show this year. Right, he still kept a hard a hard hit rate of 43 percent last year, but he cut his ground ball rate from 52 percent to 46 percent. He had a 280 average and a 290 expected batting average, and then the second half. This is the biggest thing for me. Is I mentioned that 26 percent strikeout rate in 2021. Well. If you look at his overall strikeout rate from last year, 17.4%, right? That's a big cut. In the second half last year, he cut his strikeout rate all the way down to 14.7%. So below 15%. And you look at other names that are striking out less than 15%, right? Kyle Tucker, Jose Ramirez, Mookie Betts is on here, George Springer, right? All those guys have more power than Bohm does because Bohm still does hit the ball on the ground a decent amount and a lot more than Jose Ramirez and Mookie Betts. And I'm not saying he is those guys. But 
he is a guy that should be hitting near 300 this year. He's a guy that still plays in this amazing Phillies lineup that added Trey Turner because is going to be without Bryce Harper. But I would argue that that actually helps Alec Bohm because now he is going to be hitting uh, further up in this lineup, right? He's going to be any, hitting anywhere from two through five in this lineup. And Alec Bohm, this is his true breakout year, right? Last year we were like, okay, maybe he bounces back. And it was a bounce back. This is the breakout for me. Yeah, and I like him. And I actually had him on my team at points last year as well. I still have questions about the power. I mean, he's yet to post an ISO over 150 in his short career so far. Um, he he doesn't lift the ball too much, but he's a really good hitter. And you saw that at times last year where he started to be, become more of a professional hitter and be able to kind of take what was given to him. And um, I think he will be good in the average department. I don't know about the power department, just how much he could tap into there, but... I know you're not drafting him in hopes of getting a home run hitter. You're drafting him in hopes of getting more of a solid average to help in your categories there. And also a guy who, like you said, is in a good lineup and could have some run production from that lineup. Yeah, totally. Like for me, the home runs are just kind of a sprinkle on top. Like they're just icing on the cake, right? If he hits 15 home runs for you, but hits near 300 and he's right in the middle of this Phillies lineup and he's like an 85 run, 85 RBI guy, which I think he really can be this year. Uh, that's just icing on the cake, 15 home runs. And then he does have the power upside. Like it's in there. As you mentioned, though, he just hits the ball on the ground just a little bit too much, but just a slight change, which, you know, he hit the ball on the ground less than he did in 2021. Maybe he makes an adjustment this year. He's still a very young player, right? He's entering age 26 season. So entering his prime years, I I really think this is the year for Alec Bowman. I'm excited to see what he does. And I'm, I think you should really be targeting him for your team. I think this is like, of all the players we're going to talk about today, I think we're starting the episode with my personal favorite player, like on the sleeper, on the sleeper list is right here, right? There's going to be some deep sleepers that we're going to target, but this guy is a guy that like, you know, I'll put my reputation a little bit on the line for Alec Bowman this year. <laughs> I'm willing to do that, which is crazy. I like but I'm, I'm willing to do that. Um, all right, let's, let's change change our tune a little bit clay and i'm going to ask you about this guy because i just want your take off the bat and i can react to it josh young what what's your take on josh young because this is a guy can't coming off of you know a torn labrum and now he's going adp 220 but you know you might have to take him above that some places um depends on your league and, and how high guys are on prospects but coming off of a torn labrum how do you view him and like I, I guess also, how do you interpret his limited um, minor league time? And now he's jumping right into the major leagues. Yeah, he's had a couple of injuries. And um, I know he's a guy that a lot of people are high on. He's one of those players that I'm a little hesitant on because overall, and it all comes down to draft strategy, right? Like, am I going to be in a position to take him? And I don't think I will because I'm going to be targeting third base earlier in the draft and getting one of the more top end guys than playing around with people kind of outside the top 150, right? But overall, he had a small sample size in what he showed. Strikeout rate was a little bit high, but again, I'm not even reading in too much of the sample size. He did hit five home runs, though, which shows that he has some power. But like, like you said, he's played well. It's just such a small sample size across the board that I'm a little hesitant right now. Um, not a guy that I'm anti-drafting him or anything it's just personally i think i'm going to be taking a third baseman earlier in the draft and i'm not going to rely on taking a couple of these guys because honestly i'm not 
big on a lot of players on this list that we'll talk about today. Yeah, I mean, like, Josh Young seems like the prototypical what what can we dream on with Josh Young? Yeah. Because when he has played, it's been electric. In 2021, you know, he hit 19 home runs in just 78 games. Um, an ISO of over 300 in AAA in 2021. You know, last year, um, in just a limited sample after coming back from his torn labrum, which we usually see diminished power after those injuries, he's still mashed. Like in AAA, he had a 253 ISO. Like the power is still there. And I would say the power is, you know, 65 grade. Like it's it's a lot of power and he activates it in game, which we don't always see. It's the ball in the air. Um, so I think that Josh Young like is a guy that does have legitimate 40 home run power. But I question if he will stay on the field to activate into that power. I question the approach, right? In AAA last year in 23 games, I obviously coming back from injury, right? It's tough. He hasn't played many games as a major league baseball player, right? You go back to like 2019, he gets a 44 game sample, then COVID. Then in 2021, he injures himself. He only played 78 games. Then last year, he only played, what is it? You know, 49 plus 8, 57 games. No, that's not right. Is that is that right, Matt? Doing live math here. This is tough. Just go, just go. <laughs> um, But it's just, yeah, it's just not a lot of sample from Josh Young. Yeah. And so that's concerning for me. Like, I would say... I'm going to be staying away because it's a, re- a little rich for my blood. Like him being taken as pretty much a top 200 player seems like a lot. I agree. Um, and I would argue that Jordan Walker is actually the better investment here. Right. Yeah. And that's definitely one of the few players on this list that I'm interested in. And a player who um, I know that they've been playing in the outfield as well. So definitely a possibility of, having multiple positions for you if if and when he starts getting everyday at bats you know um he's the type of roll of the dice player that i'm looking to take if i'm going to select one of these younger you know rookies or somebody with a tiny sample size that's the player you want to get now colby where would you want to draft someone like jordan walker i mean i feel like drafting jordan walker i'm comfortable taking him you know 175 185 like get him before um your friends get him before your friend takes him like the round after and you're just like two picks away from getting jordan walker and your friend takes him you're like god damn it yeah what am i thinking here but yeah clay i i think it's a matter of you know it's not a matter of um if it happens for jordan walker it's just a matter of when because as you mentioned, yeah, third base is obviously clogged for Jordan Walker, but um, he should come up and play in the outfield, left or right field. I think he'll have no trouble doing that, and the bat is going to force his way up. Last year in Double A, he hit 19 home runs, 22 stolen bases, and hit 306 with a 204 ISO. So he smashes the ball. He has a mix of power and speed, and he should immediately make the transition to the major league level, right? Only a 22% strikeout rate last year. He walked 10% of the time. It's a very clean profile, top to bottom. Um, So I would expect him to transition immediately. And I would assume that he makes his way up. If not on opening day, he makes his way up, you know, in May. I'm just looking at the Cardinals roster and how many 
bats that I know that they want to play. And I'm just a little bit concerned. And this is kind of a blanket statement about all Cardinals hitters besides, you know, Goldie and Arenado. Like I'm a little bit concerned about not playing times as in terms of like, oh, this player may not, you know, he may be benched. I'm just talking about like overall, like, you know, if a player's getting an extra day off compared to most players each week, I'm a little bit concerned on how that could play out long-term. Maybe, and everyone thinks they should have made a move, you know, trade some of these players, get some elite pitcher type thing. And um, they kind of stood pat without trading any of them. So, you know, Lars Newtbar is another guy that's going to want at-bats. Um, Donovan, and I mean, they, the list goes on and on of players deserving of a large sample of at-bats. And I'm a little bit concerned where they all will fit in. You know who's really clogging things here is Juan Yepes. Like, he's a pretty much a DH only guy at this point, and he's just clogging up the works here, right? Lars Newtbar deserves a lot of at bats this year, and he's going to be a guy that we're going to talk about in our outfield episode. And I will probably be on Lars Newtbar, as a lot of people are. It's an exciting yeah, profile. Everyone is. Um, yeah. I mean, Brendan Donovan plays good defense. He's going to need to find at bats and he plays second base. So he's not really in the same conversation as Walker. But like, yeah, when you look at their their roster breakdown, it's like Jordan Walker needs to get some time in the outfield and he's going to need to get some time at DH. And Juan Yepes is really clogging things. But I would be very shocked if Jordan Walker can't beat out Juan Yepes for at bats. Like, yeah. Who's ever performing is going to get at bats, and that should be Jordan Walker. And so Jordan Walker is a guy, you know, if if he's not playing in April and May, he's going to be playing in June and then July on, and you're going to want him on your roster when you make the playoffs. Like, that's what you're building your team for, and Jordan Walker's the guy that, you know, you're building your team for the playoffs, and you should be able to grab, you know, a guy like Justin Turner, who we'll talk about. Like, Justin Turner can be the perfect fill-in if you draft Jordan Walker to just take at bats, be serviceable for a few months and still have on your team for the whole season as a backup. I think that is the perfect option. Um, so we can just talk about Justin Turner because I think Justin Turner is another guy on this third base list that I will be targeting. And, you know, you might say Red Sox bias, but when has just, when's the last time Justin Turner didn't play well, right? Clay, like the beginning of last, last season, year. that was about it. Yeah. Last season he played well. Yeah. Well, the, he got off to a slow, a slow start. And at the end of the year, I mean, it was this offseason. He was on my team. I drafted him, ended up dropping him after the slow start. Um, and at the end of the year, this offseason, when people were talking about it, I looked up his stats just to like, I was like, yeah, I watched some Dodgers games, but I don't really remember him standing out. And he posts like over 120 WRC plus, just had another typical, like good Justin Turner year. Um, are you concerned at all about him ever like declining with age? Because I don't know if I am now. Clay. Second half last year, Justin Turner, 319 average, a 184 ISO, and a 152 WRC+. plus. I mean, that is ridiculous. He only hit five home runs, but he hit 15 doubles, and now he moves to Fenway. He moves to a better ballpark. He moves to a ballpark where he can pull the ball off the monster all day long and probably hit some cheap shots over the monster, right? I don't see him declining at age 38. I don't care. Like he's hit at age 36. He's hit at age 37. It's like, why won't he hit at age 38? And he's still hitting the ball hard. He had a 40% hard hit rate last year. Like I don't see any reason to question Justin Turner and his price is fairly cheap, right? Like he's going ADP 240. Maybe you have to draft him a little ahead of that, but like I'm taking him over Anthony Rendon. That's for sure. 
Yeah, and doesn't he just kind of feel like he's going to be a Red Sox like fan favorite? Like he just Already. feels like that type of guy that Red Sox fans are going to love. And you as a Red Sox fan, I'm I, I'm sure you know what I mean, right? And I can, yeah, I definitely speak to that, right? I mean, there's a reason that Kike Hernandez was was pushing so hard to get Justin Turner on this baseball team, not only because of the talent he brings on the field and still brings a great defensive energy, but he's amazing in the clubhouse. I mean, he is going to be a glue guy. And yeah, he has this big beard. He's a redhead. Like, w- this is Mike Napoli, but better. Like I'm already, I'm all in. I'm all in, I'm on, in. on Justin Turner this year. Yeah, he's now, gonna look great in a Red Sox uniform. Now you mentioned Anthony Rendon, and I want to talk about him some. Um, a player with a with a lot of talent that we've seen at times. A player that I just no longer can justify using a draft pick on. Um, and the reason why is because he's literally been injured all the time um, since he signed that deal, and I I just don't see it. Like I don't see the payoff. I would much rather select a upside play than a super, super injury. And this isn't like injury prone. Like we call some people, which is usually a little bit over the top missed some last year. This is a guy who's been injured like a ton for multiple years. Now I just don't know. And here's my thing. Like you select him thinking, Oh, I can get Anthony Rendon cause he's cheaper. Cause he's been injured. I don't know if that's the same player anymore due to the fact that he's out of all these injuries. Like, I don't see him returning to the Anthony Rendon that we saw in Washington that at one point was looking like one of the best players in the game. I mean, all you have to do is read some of the quotes coming from Anthony Rendon, who is not a guy that likes to speak to the media, likes to keep to himself most of the time. But there was an article that came out in The Athletic this week, and... The title is Angels Anthony Rendon sets his goal for 2023. Quote, not to have another surgery. And then there's another, there's a bigger quote in there. And I'm going to read it because it's very telling about where Anthony Rendon is at in, in this stage of his career and how he views the game of baseball, mentally and physically. So he says, quote, I know right now it only looks like we're playing for these next four years of baseball, but I'm trying to hang out with my kids for the rest of their lives. And you guys aren't going to see that. But when I'm trying to get out of bed when I'm 50 and I can't because I'm trying to impress you guys from having surgeries, now I've got to deal with that with my kids. And now my kids get the short end of the stick. I mean, this is a guy that has had back-to-back seasons where he's had surgeries. His body is definitely not 100%. And he doesn't want to have another surgery because he doesn't want to end up right getting out of his bed at 50 and his back and his knee and his whatever is injured and you know, he's just hurt. Yeah. I don't know if he loves baseball right now. Like he has a massive contract. He needs it to be hard to. It is. It's frustrating. Like you go from being an MVP talent to now you hit 30 years old and your body starts breaking down and you're not playing at that level anymore. And yeah, I mean, he's getting paid $35 million a year. Like, he's going to be on the field. I just don't know how mentally in it he is. And I hope to God that Anthony Rendon does return to his MVP self because it's fun for baseball. It's fun for the Angels. The Angels should be a great team, right? Anthony Rendon is an amazing baseball player. But, yeah, Clay, I agree. I, I just can't – I can't be the guy to draft Anthony Rendon no. this year. Um, and I don't think if you're listening to this show, you should make that same mistake either. Let somebody else in your league make that mistake. 
Um, you can still root for the guy, but it, it'll be you're gonna you're gonna end up hating the guy if you draft him on your team. Yeah. So why don't we move to a little bit happier note because that would just kind of depress me a little bit. Um, let's talk about DJ LeMay, another injured guy, but a guy that I'm actually very excited for coming into the season, right? He, uh, he avoided, uh, he had a foot fracture last year in the playoffs and, and avoided surgery, which was amazing. So all the reports coming out of Yankees camp are that, you know, DJ LeMahieu is feeling 100% and he's ready to get back to himself, which would be amazing because the last time DJ LeMay, he was himself was in 2020 and he hit 364 in a short sample with 10 home runs and a 177 WRC plus. We, we talked last episode, Clay, I think it was about how, you know, insane those, those 2020 samples are. And I mean, my yeah. God, what a sample that was, but even in 2019 in his debut with the Yankees, 327 with a 191 ISO 26 bombs and over a hundred runs in RBS. I don't think DJ LeMahieu is that guy anymore. Like, no, you know, he's entering his age 34 season. The power has been diminished. He's still hitting the ball somewhat hard. Um, but yeah, I think we haven't, we really haven't seen DJ LeMahieu at his best since 2020. And I think he has been battling some, some nagging injuries and maybe he is coming back to the season fully healthy and ready to prove himself as the Yankees everyday, you know, whatever third base, second base. I don't really know where he's going to play. He will play first base. He'll play every day. I kind of see him and Alec Baum putting up similar numbers at the end of this season. Like I I could see them having pretty similar um, numbers across the board. Um, LeMay, you actually have a little bit more positional flexibility. And like you said, he's put up some numbers that you cannot ignore. Now, it's been small sample size. It's been since 2019 also. Um, and like you said, I don't think he is that same player. But I see him and Alec Baum as very similar players in fantasy this year with maybe LeMay, having a little bit more of that power upside just because we've see, seen See, I disagree on the before. power upside. So you're going bomb with the power upside? For sure. I mean, just from a, a ground ball rate perspective, right? DJ, yeah. he was hitting the ball on the ground 53% of the time. He hasn't put an, he put up an ISO of 0.94 in 2021 and then 116 last year. Um, and the average wasn't crazy, right? DJ LeMay for most of his career was a 300 plus hitter, but you know, 265 average combined over the last two seasons. I think he can improve off of that. Um, and I'm not yeah, saying she... as such, but I would not expect him to perform as well as Alec Bohm, yeah. but maybe, I mean, maybe where, where is he being taken right now? I mean, DJ yeah, has being... to come down to value too. Like, um, I, I, if I had a bet, I'd say Alec Bohm would put up better numbers, but I don't think that they're going to be like drastically far off. If, if DJ is healthy and, you know, getting a lot of at bats. The beauty of it is here, Clay, is that you can take both too, because as you mentioned, that positional versatility is huge with LeMayhew, right? Bone can be your third take base. LeMayhew can be a beautiful option at second base, and that position is brutal. It could be a really good option for you at second base. That's true. Um, That's so yeah, true. I'm I'm in on DJ LeMayhew breakout again, like about not breakout, like a bounce back. <laughs> um yeah. yeah, no, I'm in on that. Um all right, let's talk, let's talk some more rookies real quick clay um i'm gonna put you on the spot on spencer steer we're like moving down the draft board a little bit but i as a reds fan i kind of wanted you to touch on spencer steer and and you know kind of his his upside for this year um especially playing in great american ballpark 
Yeah, for sure. Spencer Steer is a guy who uh, acquired the Tyler Malley trade. And um, everyone that I've talked to, everything you read about him is going to talk about a high floor type prospect. And um, he showed some power in AAA last year, came over to the Reds and still had a great bat, did not show as much power, got a bit of a sample size with the Reds and did not do that well. Um, again, small sample size into the year for a rookie. I don't really read much into that. The, the appeal here is drafting Spencer Steer in your league will almost guarantee every day at bats. I think he's going to play third. They got rid of Mike Moustakis. Thank God. And um, he's going to find at bats, even if he's not playing third, like he showed that he can play other positions. And they really think he's probably the most big league ready of their prospects. So obviously by calling up, calling him up last year, I think he's going to get a ton of at-bats, a ballpark that's favorable, a lineup that's not great, but in return, he might hit higher in that lineup. Um, and the lineup is at least like service. Open I don't even think yeah. the Reds lineup is like that bad. I think it's fine. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a good it's ballpark. Fine. And it's a great ballpark. You know, if you want to take somebody like a Spencer Steer, you know, I think a lot of people will, I mean, Clay, I'll stop you there. What's the downside? Yeah. I mean, you're in fantasy. How often do we talk about like chasing at bats? Just players who are getting at bats, right? Like so-and-so's injured. Like just pick up the guy who's going to be getting the opportunities. This is somebody who will get opportunities and does have upside. In addition to it, this is the type of player I'd want to select. I mean, dude, you're getting him around players like Joey Wendell, Heimer Candelario, Gio Urshela. Like, why not chase the guy playing in the best ballpark in baseball who is a top prospect guaranteed at bats with some power upside? I don't yep. see any reason not to take Spencer Steer past pick 300. Seems like a no. I'm in. I'm in. You're in. I know you're in. I just, yeah, it, it just doesn't seem there's not often that, that like there's no downside here. The yep. downside is you end up dropping him, but like if you're spending a pick after 300 on him, go ahead, drop him if yep. he doesn't perform. Um, Cool. All right, let's talk about another rookie, and then we'll get on to some of these guys. But we're not talking about Giro Rochelle. I, I'm not. Uh, I refuse. I don't um, want to. We're talking about Brett Beatty, though, because Beatty, of all the rookies that we've talked about on today's episode, has the biggest question mark about at bats this year. Right, this Mets lineup is loaded. Um, Francisco Alvarez is even like dying for at bats and he's probably going to start the the year in the minor leagues as well Beatty for sure uh Beatty did make his debut last year though 42 plate appearances I'm not putting any weight into his 184 average what I will put a little weight into though he came up and only had a 19% K rate hit two bombs like I'll take that from a debut 100% all day of the week you're making contact and you hit some home runs sweet by me um but yeah at double a last year Beatty was Pretty much insane. 312 batting average, 25% K rate, 232 ISO with 19 home runs. He's not going to steal you many bags, um, but he is a pure hitter as pure hitters come. And at, you know, he's going to be turning 23 this year. It's likely he comes up at some point. They're going to find a place for him. It might not be at third base. It might not be at second base. It might be in the outfield. Like, I don't know. They're going to find a way to get his bat in the lineup at some point this year. Um, so for me, if you play in a really deep league, like a 
14 man league. I think he might be on your, like you should roster him. Um, But anybody else, like I, I, this is a guy that you're putting top of your watch list and just kind of monitor Mets news um, and and, and see kind of like, what's the word on him debuting or somebody gets hurt, like run and get him. Um, But I think he will make the transition pretty seamlessly this year. I think you covered just about everything that I was going to say there. So, I mean, Escobar is one player who's aging and, has the ability or shown the ability to play other positions if they go that route to get um, Brett Beatty some more at-bats. But, I mean, the, if he hits well, they're going to find a way to get him in the lineup. And injuries happen, you know. I, I don't think it's out of the question. I don't think they're in a rush. They might be in a rush, though, as you mentioned, Eduardo Escobar. If Eduardo yeah. Escobar doesn't play up yeah. to the caliber that you know he should i mean he he's had back to like solid seasons right yeah. he had a 107 wrc plus in 2021 a 106 wrc plus last year with 20 bombs um but maybe he does slump or maybe he does get hurt he's gonna be age 34 like they might be ready to 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 pass the baton to to Beatty and and when that does happen yeah you better pick him up so Clay, let's finish the episode here with just a few more names um that you can target late that I think are just like at least serviceable options. We didn't talk about Ryan McMahon either. Um, maybe little, if you want to give like a quick synopsis. I'll, on I'll give the quick thing here on him. A little bit of pop, right? Can hit some home runs. You get the Coors effect as well. Can steal a couple bags, can play second and third, which might help you if you need a flex guy. Um, played pretty well in 2021 to start the season, but Overall, like a on and off roster type player, pick him up if you have an injury and he's at home or something like that. But not a guy I'm really like going out of my way to select. Yeah, I th- I'm thinking the reason we didn't talk about him is because we were busy talking about Alec Bohm and Jordan Walker. Like take yeah. those guys instead, or even take Justin Turner instead for me. Um, and LeMahieu, for that matter. All right, let's move to. I'm just gonna drop three names for you. You can pick yeah. one that you want to talk about. Yandy Diaz, Yoan Moncada, and Josh Donaldson. Oof. Man. I'll talk about Yandy Diaz a little, a little bit. Cool. I think that he um, is a player that will have a good average, right? And at times, and has a little bit of, of positional flexibility, and at times, you may just need that. If your team's really tanking in the average department, maybe he's a guy that you have on your bench, that you can plug in on off days or whatnot and hopefully get get that average up a little bit. I don't see, you know, he's not going to hit many home runs, around 10 home runs probably, but a really good hitter. <laughs> he had a 92.2 um, exit, average exit velocity last year. Like, he hits the ball hard. He's just not, like, lifting yeah, it. 48.6% the... hard hit rate. Yeah. Legit. He's, he's got a good bat, and that's part of the reason, you know, why he has a good average, but... Um, that's about all I see there. But that does not mean he should not be rostered at times. Um, injuries, players didn't work out. Like pick him up for a while and and. I mean, I think you're gonna have to draft Yanni Diaz. Like in most leagues, you're probably draft unless you're in an eight team league, maybe. But like ten to twelve, you're probably gonna be drafting him. Ten to um, twelve, yeah. But I, I mean, I I would ever. This is my advertisement for Yanni Diaz. If you strike out on DJ Lemayhew. Grab Yandy Diaz around like a round or two later. Like he's very, very similar to DJ LeMahieu, where it's going to be a high average, and it might be even a, a higher average than than what LeMahieu's giving you. Um, 
a sprinkling of home runs. He's hit 13 and 14 home runs before he hit nine last year. As we mentioned, he hits the ball very hard and he hits near the top of this raised lineup. 71 runs last year, 57 RBI. So like decent run production at this point in the draft um, with a very high average, which is a very scarce thing in fantasy baseball. So yeah, I, I am not opposed to drafting Yandy Diaz. And I think it is one of those like, all right, I didn't get DJ LeMayu. I didn't get Justin Turner. Like I'll take Yandy. That's a great yep. bat. It's a good backup plan. Um, I um, I don't remember. Did did you say Moncada and Patrick Wisdom were the last two that you mentioned? Uh, I didn't bring up P Wiz, but if you want to touch on P Wiz, I'm can out on both it. of those players. All right, you're out sure. on uh, Moncada. I think we're all every. Yeah, Mon- I don't even think we need to talk about Moncada. No, Wisdom so much strikeout, a lot of power, but also I could see playing time there being different if Christopher Morale starts playing a lot of third yeah I, I just don't see that as a hundred percent certainty like I, I'm just out on on him overall um who who's the player that you mentioned that I forgot already <laughs> Josh Donaldson is who I brought Josh up. Donaldson and Why I have like tell us weird, about Josh Donaldson I like I don't I think Josh Donaldson is I mean he's being taken so late so 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 late man like 80 is he done like is his career done no that's the thing i don't think it is like sell us on him i don't like there's no sell it's my sell is that like he played fine last year and yeah he's entering his age 37 year but like i still think he's a guy that loves to play baseball like he's still getting after it in the gym and the power is diminished a little bit but he's still hitting the ball hard enough like a 43 percent hard hit rate last year is like pretty serviceable um i don't think he's gonna hit 26 home runs again like he did in 2021 but he's a fine option like as if you're in a 14 if you're in a 12 man league and this is like your last pick of the draft maybe and you didn't really draft any other third baseman or maybe in a 14 man league like you just need a home run third baseman like i think he's fine he's gonna get a bats and it happened to me last year where i just did not value third base. They started going off the board, and I drafted Justin Turner and Josh Donaldson. It's like one of these old dudes are going to work out. Totally, neither one of them worked out quickly enough before I dropped. Ended up dropping both of them. Yeah, but... I mean, like what John Josh Donaldson last year hit two twenty two with fifteen home runs and then sixty runs, sixty RBIs. Like yeah. that's fine. For how late he's going, if you struck out on every third baseman out there, at least you know that he's going to get at bats. I think it's a fine option, but yep. not much more on Josh Donaldson there. Did we miss anybody, Clay? Let me let me run down the list one more time. Make sure we didn't didn't miss anybody that we that we should have talked about. Um, you know, I think we covered pretty much everything, man. Um, sweet, that's third base. I mean, like, if you want to give a little recap, I like who your favorite guy is real quick, and then we'll end. I mean, of this list, I mean, I'm. It's hard to say my favorite guy because I don't really love any of them. Um, Alec Bohm, who we talked about, perfectly fine pick, and Spencer Steer or somebody of that caliber, right? Um, Spencer Jordan Steer can Walker, be like those younger players who could gain playing time. Those are the players I'd rather draft. Put your put your Clay Snowden stamp of approval on Spencer Steer because I don't see a down a downside to drafting him where he's being taken. I'm gonna put my entire reputation on Alec Bohm this year. 
and he might suck, and that would suck for me. But I don't think he will. I think he's going to break out this year, and you should be on it too. Justin Turner, I will definitely be on this year. Um, And then we mentioned DJ LeMahieu, Yandy Diaz, good other plans at third base. Um, And then Jordan Walker. Get Jordan Walker. If If you got room for Jordan Walker, get that man. All right. Just Fantasy Baseball, this was your Friday episode. Have a good weekend, everybody. We'll be back next week. We're going to be talking outfielders. There's so many of them to talk about. So it might be a marathon episode next week, but hope you enjoy it as always, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Adios. Adios.